All right, a brief word before we get started. This brief word is to ask you for your help. So in 2014, Ascension began producing digital content with which you are familiar. So YouTube videos and podcasts and articles. And since then, it's only ramped up. The purpose of this content is to help you grow in your faith and to give you resources to help others do the same. Uh, so it's like every week there are 18 videos and podcasts released, which are a kind of expose of the truth, the goodness, the beauty of God and of his church and of his sacraments and of all those things that he puts at our disposition to grow in the knowledge and love of him. So while this content is free to consume, it is not free to make. So we're asking you to consider making a financial gift to help offset some of the costs of production associated with you know, Ascension Presents YouTube channel and Bible in a Year, this podcast, other things besides. So if you or someone you know has benefited personally from Ascension's work, please consider making a gift. Any amount is truly appreciated and will go towards production costs and all that's associated with that. So to make a gift, please visit ascensionpress.com support or click the link in the description. Again, that is ascensionpress.com support. I feel like the cantor at the beginning of Mass. Welcome. Today is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our celebrant is Father Gregory, and you can find your opening hymn at 876. Again, that's 876. No, it's ascensionpress.com slash support. So whether you're able to support uh, the work financially or not, please keep the entire Ascension team in your prayers as they continue to do the work of God. And as, yeah, things just keep going further up and further in to the glory that awaits us all. All right, prayers for you. Please pray for us. Cheers. Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is day 29. Today, we'll be reading part three, Certain Counsels for the Practice of the Virtues, chapters 35 through 37, pages 327 through 337 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get to the reading, let's take a look at what we will be covering today. Progress in devotion and the spiritual life is not going to be found in our being perfect. We can't do anything on our own to advance in holiness, the spiritual life, our relationship with Christ, without his grace and invitation. Our response to God's life and invitation to devotion and holiness is not to make ourselves perfect, but to allow God's grace to heal and transform us. We're called to persevere, to be faithful to the things of God. In these chapters, St. Francis de Sales reminds us of this point, that we are called not only to be faithful in big asks and big things, but in small things too. Ultimately, for most of us, for almost all of us, it's the small daily living and perseverance or faithfulness with Christ, which are the things of holiness. Before we get to the reading then, let's say a quick prayer. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, 
For the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 35 That we must be faithful on both great and small occasions. The sacred spouse says that his spouse ravished his heart with one glance of her eyes and one of the hairs upon her neck. Now, among all the external parts of the human body, none is nobler either for its skill for construction or for its activity than the eye, and none lowlier than the hair. Therefore, the divine spouse would have us know that not only the great works of devout persons are pleasing to him, but also the least and most trivial, and that to serve him adequately we must take care to serve him well, not only in great and lofty things, but also in those that are small and lowly, for by both of these we ravish his heart with love. Prepare yourself, therefore, O Philothea, to suffer many great afflictions, even martyrdom itself for our Lord. Resolve to surrender to him whatever is dearest to your heart, if it shall please him to take it, father, mother, brother, husband, wife, children, even your eyes or your life, for you ought to prepare your heart for all these sacrifices. However, as long as divine providence does not send you afflictions so great and painful, that is, does not require your eyes, then at least give him your hair. In other words, suffer meekly those small injuries, little inconveniences, and inconsiderable losses that befall you daily. For by means of such little occasions as these, managed with love and affection, you will gain his heart entirely and make it all your own. Little daily acts of charities, a headache or toothache, a runny nose, an ill-humored remark by husband or wife, the breaking of a glass, some insult or rude remark, the loss of a pair of gloves, a ring or a scarf, some small self-denial we make by going early to bed and then rising early for prayer or holy communion, some small bashfulness we feel at performing certain acts of devotion in public, in short, all such trivial sufferings, when accepted and embraced with love, are highly pleasing to the divine goodness, who, in return for a mere cup of cold water, has promised an ocean of all felicity to his faithful. And since these occasions present themselves every moment, if you manage them well, you will have at hand a great means for heaping up a storehouse of spiritual riches. When I saw in the life of St. Catherine of Siena so much rapture and elevation of spirit, so many wise sayings, and even preaching uttered by her, I did not doubt that with this eye of contemplation she had ravished the heart of her heavenly spouse. However, I was no less pleased when I found her in her father's kitchen, humbly turning the spit, blowing the fire, dressing the meat, kneading the bread, and doing the lowliest household duties, with a heart full of love and affection toward her God. And I esteem no less the little and humble meditation she performed amid these lowly and abject employments than I did the ecstasies and raptures she so often had, which perhaps were only given her in recompense for this humility and abjection. Such was her meditation. She imagined that while dressing meat for her father, she was preparing it for our Savior, like another St. Martha, and that her mother held the place of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and her brothers that of the Apostles. She excited herself in this way in order to serve in spirit the whole court of heaven, employing herself in these low services with great delight, because she knew that such was the will of God. I have given you this example, Philothea, so that you may know how important it is for you to direct all your actions, be they ever so lowly, to the service of his divine majesty. To this end I counsel you with all my strength to imitate the virtuous woman who the great Solomon so highly praises. She clothes her loins with strength and opens her mouth with wisdom. 
That is, she is occupied in lofty, noble, and important things while not disdaining to lay her hand upon the spinnel and the distaff. Gird your loins with strength. Exercise yourself in prayer and meditation, in frequenting the sacraments and stirring souls to the love of God and inspiring good thoughts into their hearts, and, in a word, in the performance of great and important works, in accord with your vocation. But never forget your distaff and spindle, that is, to take care to practice those lowly and humble virtues that grow like flowers at the foot of the cross, such as serving the poor, visiting the sick, taking care of your family, and attending to all your domestic concerns, with the profitable diligence that will leave you no time to be idle. And along with all these occupations, mingle in such considerations as those I have just spoken of from the life of St. Catherine. Great occasions for serving God present themselves only seldom but little ones frequently. In the words of our Savior, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Therefore, do all things in the name of God, and you will do all things well, whether you eat or drink, or whether you sleep or take recreation, whether you turn the spit, do all these things because it is God's will that you should do them. Then you will profit much in the sight of God. Chapter 36. We Must Be Just and Reasonable. Reason is what makes us men, yet it is a rare thing to find men who are truly reasonable, for self-love usually leads us astray from reason, drawing us unconsciously into a thousand small yet dangerous injustices and wrongs, which, like the little foxes spoken of in the Song of Solomon, spoil the vines. They are so small that we take no notice of them, however, because they are many in number, they do not fail to do us much harm. These things of which I am about to speak are Are they not unjust and unreasonable? We condemn every little thing in our neighbors while excusing ourselves and things that are great. We want to sell high and buy very cheap. We desire that justice should be exercised in another man's house, but mercy and indulgence in our own. We would have everything we say be interpreted positively. However, we are sensitive and touchy about what others say to us. We would have our neighbor sell us his property at the price we offer, But is it not more reasonable that he should keep his goods and leave us our money? We become grouchy if he will not accommodate us. But does he not have more reason to be offended that we should desire to inconvenience him? If we love one particular exercise, we despise all others and set ourselves against everything that is not according to our own taste. If any of our inferiors is not attractive in appearance or is displeasing in some one regard to us, we take offense in whatever he does never cease to humiliate him and find fault with all he does. By contrast, if anyone has an agreeable manner that is pleasing to us, he can do nothing that we are not willing to excuse. There are some virtuous children whom their parents can scarcely bear to see because of some bodily imperfection, and others who are vicious but are favored because of some personal graces. On all occasions, we prefer the rich to the poor, even though they are neither of better condition nor as virtuous. We even prefer people because they are better clothed. With strict measure, we exact what is owed to us, but would have others be lenient when they demand what is owed to them. We show the greatest of attention in maintaining our own rank, but would have others be humble and condescending. We soon find fault with our neighbor, but believe that none must find fault with us. To our eyes, what we do for others seems always very great, but what others do for us seems as nothing. In a word, we are like the partridges in Paphlagonia, which have two hearts, for we have one heart that is kind, gracious, and courteous toward ourselves, and another that is hard, severe, and exacting toward our neighbor. We have two measuring weights, one to weigh to our advantage, and the other to the detriment of our neighbor. 
However, in the words of Scripture, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak, that is, they have two hearts, and to have different weights, one greater for when you receive goods, and one less for when you give out your wares, is an abomination unto the Lord. Philothea, be fair and just in all your doings. Put yourself always in your neighbor's shoes and him in yours, and thus you will judge rightly. Imagine yourself the seller when you are buying and the buyer when you are selling, and you will sell and buy justly. These injustices are trifling and do not require us to make restitution insofar as they only consist in taking rigorous advantage of the conditions in our own favor, though we are obliged to amend them, for they are great defects in reason and charity and little better than cheating. Believe me, One loses nothing by being generous, noble, and courteous with a heart that is royal, just, and reasonable. Therefore, Philothea, remember frequently to examine whether your heart is so disposed towards your neighbor as you would have him be towards you, were you in his place. For this is the touchstone of right reason. Trajan, when being blamed by his confidants for having made the imperial majesty, in their opinion, too accessible, said, As emperor, should I not act toward regular men as I would desire an emperor to act toward me, were I myself such a man? Chapter 37. On Desires Everyone knows that we must keep ourselves from desire for vicious things, since the desire of evil is, of itself, evil. However, if I go further, Philothea, and tell you that you must not desire dangerous things, such as balls, plays, or other such diversions, nor covet honors and offices, nor aspire to visions and ecstasies, for there is a great deal of danger, vanity, and delusion in such things. Desire not things which are at a great distance, that is to say, which cannot happen for a long time, as many do, who thereby dissipate their thoughts and weary their hearts unprofitably, and put themselves in danger of becoming unsettled. If a young man earnestly desires to be settled in some office before the proper time, what does all his anxiety avail him? If a married woman desires to be a nun, to what purpose is this? If I desire to buy my neighbor's property before he is willing to sell it, am I not wasting my time through this desire? If when I am sick I desire to preach, to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, to visit others that are sick, and do things which only those who are healthy can do, are not all these desires vain, since it is out of my power to put them into execution? Yet in the meanwhile, these unprofitable desires crowd out others that I ought to have, to be patient, resigned, self-denying, obedient, and meek under my sufferings, which are what God would have me practice at that time. However, we are generally like people who long for cherries in autumn and grapes in the spring. In no way do I approve of people who are engaged in some duty or calling wasting their time by desiring some other kind of life than that in which they are already engaged, nor exercises that are incompatible with their present condition. This dissipates the heart and makes it unfit for its proper duties. If I desire to practice the solitude of a Carthusian, I waste my time and this desire takes the place of what I ought to desire, namely to put my hand to the plow in the duties of my present station of life. I would not even have anyone desire to have greater talent or judgment, for these desires answer no purpose and take the place of the desires everyone ought to have, namely to cultivate what he has, be it little or great. Nor would I have anyone desire means to serve God if he does not have them, but rather wish that he faithfully employ those which he has. Now this is to be understood only of desires which occupy the heart, for simple wishes do no harm, so long as they are not too frequent. Do not desire crosses, except in proportion to the patience with which you have borne those which have already been sent to you, 
for it is a mistake to desire martyrdom and not have the courage to bear an injury. The enemy often suggests great desire for things that are absent and that will never happen to us, so that he may thus divert our mind from present objects from which we might obtain great profit, even though they may be trivial on face value. We fight with the monsters of Africa in our imagination. Meanwhile, paying no heed, we allow ourselves to be stung by every insignificant reptile that lies along the way in front of us. Do not desire temptations, for that would be rashness. Rather, accustom your heart to wait for them courageously and to defend yourself against them when they come. A variety of food, especially if eaten in any considerable quantity, overloads the stomach, and if it is weak, ruins it. Thus do not overload your soul, either with a multitude of worldly desires, which will ruin it, or even with those which are spiritual, for they will overload it. When the soul is purified from bad humors, she feels a craving after spiritual things, and like a famished person, she longs after a thousand kinds of exercises of piety, mortification, penance, humility, charity, and prayer. It is a sign of good health, Philothea, to have a keen appetite, However, you must consider whether you can healthily digest everything that you would eat. Therefore, among so many desires, with the advice of your spiritual father, choose those that you can practice at present and turn them to the best advantage. God will send you others later on, which you also must practice in their proper season. In this way, you will never waste your time in unprofitable desires. I do not say that you must reject any kind of good desire, but rather that you must take them in due course. Those that cannot be had now should be locked up in some corner of the heart until their time comes. In the meanwhile, practice those that are in season. This advice I give not only to spiritual persons, but also to worldly people. For if you do not heed it, life will be filled with confusion and anxiety. In these chapters, then, St. Francis de Sales directs our attention from, I guess, a sense of perfectionism to a sense of faithfulness, of fidelity, which is really the heart of the life of devotion of the Christian vocation. I think there's an easy temptation. I know I've experienced it in my own life. I know others have from conversations with them. I'm sure Father Gregory could speak to it too in his own experiences, that we we think somehow we need to be perfect before we can enter into relationship with Christ, before we can grow in holiness, grow in devotion, that somehow I need to fix myself so as to like be worthy to be around God. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, it's it's our Lord who perfects, and it's in the context of our coming to him that we are made more and more perfect. It's only by his grace. And I don't know, I guess when we think about it, for me, that's, that's a pretty reassuring or um, confidence-inducing, we could say, uh, reality that it's, it's not up to me. Because though I would say like 93% of the time, I'm pretty sure that I can do it myself. Often when I look back, in hindsight, it's like, no, not going to work. So St. Francis de Sales encourages us in this reality that we're called to to persevere, to be faithful. So let's talk about faithfulness. Um, what does it look like for the Christian? How are we, like, what are we actually called to do in our pursuit of devotion? I don't know. I think that's kind of the foundation here, the heart of what St. Francis is leading us to consider. Yeah, I think um, in this chapter, we began with a consideration of certain virtues and I think the virtues give us a good perspective on what it means to be faithful. So certainly faith. So the faithful person listens to God who speaks. And in order to continue to hear God, you need to remain attentive. So like the rule of St. Benedict, for instance, begins with this invocation or this encouragement 
to listen, right? To open the ears of your heart to speak somewhat metaphorically. And I think that, um, you know, as human beings, it's hard to continue to be attentive. You know, like for anyone who's tried to pray throughout the course of the night, you know, we attempted this in our religious formation and, you know, different, different points. Uh, you know that just as soon as you make the effort to stay awake, you fall asleep almost immediately. But when you're trying to fall asleep, it's impossible to do so. <laughs> Sweet paradoxical Christmas. Save me, Lord. Um, but but we find it, you know, very difficult insofar as we're weighed down by cares and concerns of this world, by all the complications attendant upon our sins, by our own frustrations that we experience on account of the fact that we're not progressing in the spiritual life as well as we might have hoped at some, you know, earlier point in life. And yet it remains for us to be attentive. So like when we think about what is it that really makes of our life something fruitful, something consecrated, it's attending to the Lord who continues to speak day in and day out, regardless of whether or not we hear or regardless of whether or not we feel especially. We need to have that kind of quiet, faithful confidence that he continues to be in touch with us, you know, conducting us onto our end. So yeah, I think that's, you know, when we think about faithfulness, obviously, we're thinking about faith as a kind of baseline. Yeah, and as we've been going through these chapters, we're, what, in day 29 together here, one of the things that we've been pushing on you as you listen, as you listen to us is this, and it's from St. Francis too, it's not just our own idea, you know, the tradition kind of has it here, but um, growing in, in the habits of the devout life and the habits of Christian holiness, that's, that's really, you know, from the time we began talking about mortifications and purifications to when we were talking about the the mental mental prayer and the sacraments and now as we're talking about pursuing the virtues it's all about building the habits by god's grace to to live a life that is conducive to pursuing christ right so now that we're talking about faithfulness not just in, in big things but in small things um how are we to build habits of like faithfulness habits of perseverance i one way at least that i think of is is our regularity and this is something francis saint francis has been talking about our regularity in prayer like setting aside the time preparing well and just showing up and showing up and showing up well, are there other ways that you can think of that we can build sort of these habits of, of faithfulness of perseverance um especially with like small things because i think those those wear away at us those grind away at us you know the sort of like daily living daily grind but yeah what else can we kind of focus on to help here yeah, along the way, we've highlighted, you know, prayer, sacrament. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about penance, you know, under the aspect of mortification. Uh, what we're doing here is another habit, a kind of habit of study. So inquiring into the things of faith so that we can be nourished uh, by our contemplation of those things. But, you know, like at the end of the day, what we're talking about is, is an investment, right? So you put your eggs in the basket. And once you have all of your eggs in that basket, your life just doesn't make sense apart from that commitment. So the idea is that we're, you know, we're kind of selling out for the Lord or this image from the ancient world that when you arrive on the shore of whatever island or whatever sovereign nation that you attend to attack, you burn all your ships so that your soldiers will not think for a second about the possibility of retreat. They will either conquer or they will perish. So we have to really, you know, like seek ways by which to sell out for the Lord. And I think that, uh, you know, like part of that is investing right? Okay. We talk about how our homes can be distracting places for prayer because there's no, you know, there's no one spot where we feel entirely comfortable or we don't have a good place to kneel or yeah, like the way that the carpet smells, that new Berber, it's just terrible. Okay. All right. We'll invest. 
All right, get yourself a beautiful image, have it framed, get yourself a beautiful crucifix, mount it in a dignified place in your home, get a preview made by a local carpenter with a nice cushion that is like the right length for your femur, which for me is practically impossible because I was born of a race of giants, right? So, so invest, like sell out so that when you, when you think about the prospect of giving yourself to these habits of mind and heart, right, it's a sweet thought. It doesn't come with the same kind of bad Berber smell in the back of your mind. Maybe that's a weird image. That is a weird image. Yeah. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, the prédu or like a kneeler is, you know, for those who don't know what that is, that's a that's a that's an image to think about you on this giant prédu. Um, great, <laughs> super helpful, uh, inspiring. Yeah, and and through all of this, through this sort of like selling out for our Lord that Father Gregory so aptly described by getting ginormous kneelers in your house. Uh, <laughs> One, it's it's really helpful to keep in mind and always keep in mind that, yes, there are great saints who have had huge moments of conversion or these huge moments of, of martyrdom, and, these, and the church rightly recognizes and celebrates these men and women. But most people are made holy through, through small things, through like fidelity in the daily living of their lives. So, you know, if you are a mother— um, and a wife, it's through fidelity to that vocation, through like raising your children well. And if you're a father and a husband, same thing, providing, you know, all of those things. If you're a religious or a priest, it's in fidelity to that vocation. And often those things are, you know, small. Like I sometimes I like to think, or like I've said, not in this, I don't think here before, but like to think that like even like a parent waking up in the middle of the night, I've never woken up to change a diaper or feed a baby. Um, I've woken up for other things, but not that. But even like even that can be the the material for holiness, can be the setting of sanctity. And when we start to look at our lives in those ways, that it's not just these huge moments or just these moments when we're sitting in a pew or whatever it might be, but that like each moment the Lord invites us to to do these acts with with charity with devotion united to him and like these are the makings of saints it's incredible to think that like just the day in and day out can be a foretaste of heaven like think about that for a minute that that those little things can be can be the makings of saints and that's that's an incredible gift and an incredible invitation to partake. And that's not us making ourselves perfect, but us inviting, being invited to to persevere, to be with God in all things. And Saint Francis is trying to help build the habits of that, a life of devotion, not moments of devotion, so that we might live forever with Him. So let's not like lose sight of the fact that it's in these small daily things that we're made to be like Christ, conform to Him. One other thing I think that's worth at least saying a few words on is, is something that St. Francis brings up, and that's this sort of idea of wishes um, or desiring things beyond us. I guess it kind of has to do with humility. I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know. I, I, here I think of like daydreaming of like, oh, I wish that, I wish this. I don't know. Thoughts on that? I, my, my only recommendation is don't get lost in it. You know, re, our Lord is in reality, so live in reality. There's beauty in it. Um, but I don't know if you have other thoughts on that, Father Gregory. Yeah, I think that... Um the only grace that bears fruit in your life is the grace that God is actually giving to you. So I think when we look around and compare ourselves to other Christians or great saints in the tradition, sometimes we can be crestfallen or we can just be saddened because those graces haven't been given to us. But 
that's just the thing. Those graces haven't been given to us. So there's no real sense in like lamenting past graces not seized upon or lusting after future graces never to be given, right? We have the opportunity here and now to seize upon the graces that God gives. And those graces will sometimes correspond with our desires, but they'll correspond with the desires which God is healing and purifying and growing and emboldening in our actual lives. So we need to be able to recognize, you know, how God has created us and how God has redeemed us and then thrill at that recognition so that we can grow in the knowledge and love of God who has made us fearfully and wonderfully for his glory and our salvation. Great. I couldn't have said it any better myself, Father Gregory. Good job. (laughs) Well, I think that's what we'll leave you with today, a little bit to ponder on as we continue to work through this third part of St. Francis's work. Um, Feel free, of course, to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. To download the reading plan and support the production of this podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. Know of our prayers for you, please pray for us. And we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Thank you.